Before we jump into this episode, I just want to say thank you to our sponsors, Gateway Seminary. Gateway Seminary is a resource for the church. Whether you are looking to grow as a Bible teacher or maybe get a little bit better in college or youth ministry, they've got something for you all the way from certificates to master's degrees. No matter where you're at or what you're looking for, Gateway Seminary might be a great resource for you. Check them out at move.sc gateway. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. I'm here with the PMB, and we've got Pastor Alfredo Ramos and Pastor Adam Atchison here who have helped uh, prep and plan out this entire series that we've done through Galatians. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, so we've got to hear from all three of you as we've walked through the book of Galatians and specifically talking about being confused and finding clarity in an unclear world. So I would love to hear from all of you, really, as you've prepped through this series, each of you have taught a few messages as we've gone through this series, um, as you've kind of worked through this with people in your lives. What have been some of your biggest takeaways as we've walked through Galatians in this whole confused series? Mm-hmm. Well, I think my takeaway is I, I never noticed, and I don't know how many times I've read Galatians. I would have told somebody that Galatians was my favorite, well, one of my favorite books. Mm. Um, Hebrews is probably still my favorite book, but uh, I had never noticed in Galatians 6, and we talked about this, how, um, and we're going to talk about it this weekend, that do not um, grow tired in, in, in doing good, for in due time you will reap if you do not give up. I had never noticed that was in the context of giving, like, like he talks about giving mm-hmm. financially, and I had always just kind of thought about, well, that just means kind of trying to live the Christian life. And I had never married that thought to uh, generosity Mm -hmm. and giving and supporting the church. And so that was something that really, really surprised me. Um, I I, I don't know. I just, just again, Paul's um, militant stance on protecting and defending the gospel and how we're saved and how he was completely unwilling to compromise that in any way. And he even got a little testy a couple of times. So I don't know what your thoughts were. Yeah. I think for me, um, what stood out as we were going through, has been the role of faith, the role of faith every single day in the life of a believer. And not just in a general sense, right? Religious people can say that all the time, but what I actually believe in is the gospel and then how that lives itself out in my daily life as I relate to God and I try to connect with him and know that my standing with him is based completely on what Jesus has done. And then I can live faithfully out of that. Mm. Um, but then also the role of faith in trusting in Jesus and the gospel so that it, it teaches me how to relate to other people, whether mm. it's like Paul correcting Peter in Galatians 2 or understanding how I'm changing in Galatians 3 and 4 and being like an heir of the promise, you know. Right. And so um, even connecting to the Holy Spirit in studying, that was probably one of the things that stood out to me was like the role of the Spirit right. in the in my life as it connects to me understanding I'm trusting not just in the gospel, but also in the active work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so um, you touched on that and you came back to it, you know, as you were covering Galatians 5 and it, it uh, yeah, it's been really life-giving. I, think. I don't think, and you guys can weigh on this, but I don't think people think of Galatians as a book on the Holy Spirit. Oh right? no. Yeah. And yet I think seven different times Paul talks about in this short little book about the role of the Holy Spirit. And um, I think it's really unfortunate, you know, First uh, uh, Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, I think are more the kind of the candy verses uh, because they're controversial. And the book of Acts, I would say, would be secondary, right. but people don't think of Galatians as a Holy Spirit book, but man, yeah. it's powerful. And just talking about the role of the Spirit, uh, bringing miracles, uh, salvation, connecting this to God our Father. I mean, it just was absolutely amazing to me. So uh, I cut you off, but I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, the, I think the 
the main point that I remember from second or third week with you um, was that the gospel is neither legalism nor mm. license. Mm. And so, uh, you know, there, there's sort of uh, two ditches we can fall in on either side. One is to think that uh, we can uh, arrive to God by our own good works, our own effort to, to per- improve and perfect ourselves over time. Uh, and and that's, the, that's the failure and the shortcoming of the law that he's exposing right. really around the the topic of circumcision. And so um, it's the the ability of, and I I circled back to it this week, that the notion of the flesh as Mm self-sufficiency, as much as it is the license side of it, Mm -hmm. which is the abuse of freedom in Christ, which isn't saying we can do whatever we want. It's actually a freedom that leads uh, leads us to um, to, to doing, uh, to being a slave to Christ and to, to loving generously and walking by the spirit. And that, that's the freedom that we're talking about, uh, not the license to do whatever we want. So, um, just the idea, even that the war within is lost both through the, the normal list of crazy extreme sins, uh, you know, that, uh, n- not so much that, um, that, that whole list isn't even crazy trying to point that out as well. Some of these are, uh, all of us can check some of those boxes and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I struggle with, with selfish ambition or whatever it is. But then, um, the, the other, the other ditch is, is just trying, trying to arrive there on our own effort. And I think that's where the spirit comes in. Like, mm. what's the alternative? Well, I live by faith. I live by trusting the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, yeah. Mm. So as you guys think through when you're talking to people about what it looks like to find clarity as you talk to friends and all that, what do you, it's like the one thing coming out of the series that you would really want people to hear, take away from this series? Like what's the one thing? Yeah. For me, it would be, there's two sources which are actually identified one of the questions I think that was sent in for this week's debrief actually asked the question, but it's the word and the spirit. Right. How do you find clarity? It's through God's word mm-hmm. and the spirit. And oh, by the way, the spirit inspired the word, right? The, right. The, the, there's even some some passages that identify Christ with the spirit. And so, um, and, and of course, Christ is the uh, the the word in, in the flesh and in, in person. And the Bible is the written record that points uh, to the the capital W word, the logos, the word, the communication, the self communication of God. Um, so I, I'd say, how do you find clarity? It's through the Word and the Spirit, mm-hmm. working together in your life uh, personally, and then as you engage uh, in church, and you and you come and you hear and you experience the Spirit, um, both as you receive the Word, as you worship. Um, and so that, that's the short answer in terms of the sources for clarity. Yeah, you want to go? Yeah, I, I would maybe take a different angle and just say, don't don't beat yourself up wherever wherever you might find yourself. And the reason why I say that is because uh, Paul wrote the the letter to Galatia. So it's a Christian church and they're struggling with things that we would think normally you would get done and figured out within your first six months or a year of being a Christian. But then his solution in a lot of these problems was going back to the gospel, mm-hmm. going back to the word, understanding the, the role of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, if you're in a place where you feel like, man, my whole Christian life has been one of confusion, like take a sigh of relief, breathe, you know, mm-hmm. re- return to the basics because the basics are, are not just the basics, but they're the, the thing that actually carries you all the way through, mm-hmm. you know? And so hopefully there'd be some relief. Um, and yeah, even in kind of, whether they be confusing seasons or doubtful seasons, uh, God is very much still at work and doing something, you know? And so for, for Paul to have to cover some of these topics to a church that's been established where they had an apostle like Peter present, like it, it, it kind of gives me some kind of hope. 
you know, that, yeah. man, it's all right where you're at. So yeah, if, P- if Peter, the, the leader of the church in Jerusalem and sort of the, the closest in that inner circle of Jesus, and really the apostle to the Jews that led the way, like if, if he was the character that was perhaps the most confused in Galatians, then I, I think the rest of us can breathe a little bit easier, knowing yeah. that mm. even even Christian unity amongst brothers isn't doesn't always equate to agreement on all matters, right? And that there's an openness to knowing that every once in a while I'm going to get off course with my best intentions, right? And and that I'm open to correction and to to saying, hey, 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 no, 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 like, have you forgotten this? Mm. Let's talk through this. So I think that's a lot of about what's what's in the background of Galatians, and then even comes to a head there in chapter two, that that Paul is confronting. So yeah. I, I like that thought. Yeah. yeah, I think people are confused about a couple things. You know, number one, how are we saved? Really, the the, the American doctrine today is I'm saved because I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. I've done good things, and so somehow all the good I've done in my life is going to outweigh the bad, and I'm going to get in. God's going to accept me in based upon my merit, and that is the law. And we, I mean, you're done, you're smoked, you can't live it, you can't do it perfectly. And we've been deceived. Our culture has been deceived. We truly believe uh, the best of us. You know, my son is, um, well, he's not hes not playing basketball right now, but I watch him and I watch his sense of frustration. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a young person. And I think when we're young and naive, we believe we're who we are at our best. Hmm. So when my son has yeah. a good game, his expectation is that's how he's going to be every game. Mm-hmm. And truly who we are, right? It, it's the sum of how we play in every game. And that's why statistics are so important uh, because there are great players uh, in the NBA like J.R. Smith, who's great in moments. But when you look at over the longevity, he's terrible in moments <laughs> okay. and makes horrible ideas. And so who is he? He's the sum of his entire life that is measured in statistics. And that's what Judgment Day is going to be. And I don't think people are going to uh, be uh, positively surprised by what they see. Uh, because there's not just the things I do, there's the things I want to do, the things that I want to say. I mean, I have to apologize to my wife for the things I say and do. I tend not to apologize for the things I thought but did not say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think, you know, my, my son's frustration as a basketball player is he has these expectations of, of what he is when he's at his best, but that's not who he is. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people believe that as we remember our highlights, we remember our best moments, and we don't remember the things that, wow, point to I need to be saved and I need a savior. And humanity is is truly, truly dark. And uh, I was sharing with you guys, I was in Ireland this last week, and, and oftentimes we think of our sin in America uh, in a race-based. So, you know, Fredo's Hispanic, we're white, someone else is black, and, and we think of sin, uh, relational sin, in terms of colors in America. But then you go to Ireland where they're all the same color, and so they don't have that freedom to hate each other because of the pigmentation or lack thereof, but they still have the same issues. And so now it's your last name. It's the religion that you practice. Mm-hmm. It's your socioeconomic status. It's, it's just, it blows my mind at how easily as human beings we can run to want to tear each other apart, mm-hmm. which Paul actually says, right? If you don't live for the fruit of the spirit, you're gonna devour one another. Mm-hmm. You're gonna destroy one another. And so I think we just, we just need the gospel. And like you said, we need the word. Um, if Peter can be led astray and he's being led astray by cultural pressure. So if Peter is able to, at his worst moments, be led astray by cultural pressure, we can, especially in a culture that's so polarizing. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to get destroyed, take the middle ground in our culture. Right. Like you got to be pro-Trump <laughs> or you got to hate Trump, but you can't be like, yeah. well, 
like nuance is just not a cultural value that we have now, right? It's yeah. it's it's bizarre. It's black or white. It's it's right or it's wrong. And 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 so so oftentimes, like we have to take a nuanced perspective and be led by the spirit. Okay, here's my initial reaction. Here's my my uh, my ethnic background. Here's my political kind of um, leaning. Mm-hmm. But what does the spirit say? What is the Holy Spirit saying? in this moment, in this issue, because it's often very different from what my physical spirit is saying. And how do I listen to that? Mm-hmm. And what we really want is the spirit's work in my life, in my church, in my marriage, in my relationships with people of different color, different backgrounds, with, in my relationships with people at work. I need to be led by God's spirit. Mm-hmm. And Paul says it's really easy to be stupid and be bewitched and fall from that. And um, the gospel is so precious and we have to stand up for that. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's so sad in our day that we feel like we have to write everybody who's wrong politically, but we will never share the gospel. Mm. We'll never, like people would, would much rather wear, you know, a, Ma- a MAGA hat or, or I don't know who's going to come out of the, the Democratic side, but support them, but they'll never share their faith. Yeah. And it's just, it's just tragic today because we've fallen away from the gospel. We've fallen away what, from what's, what's important. And, it's not about political victories. It's about persuading people to follow Christ and to trust yeah. Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, we need the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So I thought it was a great series. I thought you guys did fantastic. Uh, I got to actually be in church to watch your sermon this week. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really great just to be a part. And I, I love our church. And mm-hmm. I was glad I was able to make it back from my flight. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you are wrapping up the series this weekend with one more message, and then we're moving on to a new series that you guys have been working on together. Um, and then we've got something really big coming this fall. Can you guys kind of talk about a little preview of what's next? Yeah, you guys tackle the next series because you've been working on it more than me. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that has become very clear in our world, and I, I think this is a global thing as well, maybe a little bit more of an issue in America because we're uh, economically privileged or, or what have you, a lot, lot more people with access to smartphones. But I, I think it's a global issue, which is the issue of loneliness mm-hmm. and isolation. Yeah. And in a in an increasingly connected world full of information at the tips of our fingers, uh, the, the counterintuitive result has been the opposite of relationship mm-hmm. and connection. And so uh, one recent example is, is that the, the English prime minister recently um, announced that he had created a new position, the Minister for Loneliness uh, mm-hmm. in, in the UK, mm-hmm. and uh, to begin addressing what is clearly an epidemic issue. And so what we want to look at in this next series are what what are some of the things uh, that uh, that isolate us, right? And so, for for example, um, I'll, I'll be talking about uh, past wounds, mm-hmm. right? If I've been wounded in the past, that that's going to prevent me from relationally reengaging. I'm not. I'm going to be afraid. I'm going to be timid. I'm going to be you know reluctant or, or what have you, uh, because I've been wounded. And so, mm-hmm. not only to just look at that problem, but talk about some ways forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, h- how do I move forward? Well, some of the things uh, in that issue, for instance, about past wounds would be just the, the understanding and the, and the clear headed thinking that not everybody is unsafe. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, uh, how, how big of a deal in the word of God is, is forgiveness, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, um, that, that may not have me relationally reengage with somebody who's hurtful and wounding me but that, that deals with that enough so that I can re-engage with people who are safe and who can challenge me and encourage me relationally. And so uh, there's a few other topics on the table. I mean, b- busyness is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in our groups, community group surveys, the mm-hmm. number one reason stated for not being in a community group is time. 
So, so how do we, how do we deal with those barriers and, and then begin to point the way forward? So, yeah. So what is the name of the next series? The Cure for Loneliness. Mm, okay. I didn't know what yeah. you decided on. Yeah. Did Fredo come up with that? That feels like a Fredoism. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I think it's actually our uh, group's lead, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah Jeremy yeah. had a, who runs our a good hand here. in it. Yeah. I was yeah. like in scrolling alone. <laughs> yeah. Shameless plug. <laughs> I didn't, scrolling alone. So yeah. I didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. <laughs> you see the spinoff later. He'll know where my, that came my, from. Yeah. Mine was the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. But mm. apparently there's some Kanye. Yeah, versions. that was even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't like dude, You're on the cutting room floor. Yes. Yeah. Church. yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for that series. I think there's, and I think you kind of alluded to this, with so much connection in so many ways that we can be connected with people digitally mm. you don't realize that you're actually spending a lot of your time alone yeah. like i was talking to you guys earlier i'm like taking a little break from instagram and i've all of a sudden realized like oh i actually text my friends mm. send pictures to my best friend and my baby that like normally i'd be like oh she'll see it on instagram and like right, I'm having real right. relationships again and i haven't realized that i'm actually more cut off mm. when i'm more connected it's been really interesting yeah. Yeah. So you i'm guys, excited to dig into that yeah so, we're, we're unaware of how much intimacy we sacrifice in the name of efficiency mm-hmm. you know getting getting ahead getting mm-hmm. things done Mm-hmm. And what it's doing to us, actually, just being able to be face to face with someone else again, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think every church, when when it's feeling like the, just the hype around community, right? Like every church is a series on community, mm-hmm. uh, but we want to try to practically address real barriers mm-hmm. that keep people from being in front of each other in, yeah. a, in a healthy kind of life giving way, you know. So, yeah, absolutely, it's gonna be great. Have you ever seen the movie About Time? Oh, oh yeah, yes. it's my favorite movie. Yeah, so if you guys haven't seen it, you got to watch it. Just know that it's British, so there's some inappropriate social or sexual y- stuff. But yeah. I, I love it, so don't <laughs> judge me. Those yeah. Brits, man. Those Brits. Yeah, those Brits. Brits. It's cold. It's cold in Britain, yeah. so oh. they like to connect. Yeah, yeah. And just the idea, you know, the, the premise of it is there's this family. The men in the family can travel back in time, but there's some parameters. They can only travel back in their own life. And this isn't a spoiler alert, but by the end, the guy stops traveling back in time because he's learned the sort of secret and the lesson. Yeah, and it's really about being present. And so he replays a day where uh, he goes into a convenience store. It's sort of an urban environment or whatever. And he's grabbing his lunch sandwich and his milk or whatever. And he tosses it on the thing and he does the transaction with his card and never actually like stops and like just says hi to the person behind the counter. So when he replays the day, he's just being present. It's the same exact scene, not radically different in how it proceeds, but it's just... I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and make some eye contact. Yeah. And oh ask. man, that's Dude, that movie so good. wrecks me every oh, time. Yeah. Like I literally, and uh, you know, there's a scene in the movie where he knows it's his last conversation mm-hmm. with his dad, and his dad stops him and says, "This is our last talk, isn't it?" Because his dad also can travel back in time, and just at that moment, that moment, and and what they do together. I don't want to ruin it for you, but they go and do something together in that moment, and. Um, you know, it just, it's just, it's just so, you know, like I got an airplane this week and I think whenever I get an airplane, I live in that reality. Hey, this could be the last time, mm-hmm. you know, I hug my wife. I say hi to my kids. But the truth is that can happen every time we get in the car, mm-hmm. like with our world, man. I mean, you, you just never, never know how, how much time you have. And so much, um, you know, sometimes it's hard, like I'll do a funeral and you guys know you do funerals. It really is a reminder of what you need to live for and what you need to do. And I'm sitting in this funeral and I'm bawling my eyes out. And then we go home, my wife and I, and I'm just like, I'm going to hug her and I'm just going to hold her. And we're just going to share our feelings. And we get home, we got a fight. She ticked me off. And I'm just like, I, I, good <laughs> Lord, man, right. what is going on? Because the reality is it's really, really hard to get past all the stupid stuff. And, you know, families, you know, we're, we have uh, miniature adults in our house. So they're 22 <laughs> and 21, but they're, they're miniature adults, man. It's, you know, if you don't know what that's like a miniature dog, all that energy just 
pent up and no experience. Um, <laughs> dude, it's rough. And so every day at my house, I'm like, okay, who's who's fighting today? But we have to work it out and we have to work it you know, together because family's tough. I mean, we love each other. We all love Jesus. As far as I know, we're all going to heaven. And yet it's still really, really difficult. And that movie really illustrates, um, and man, it, it's great too when in that scene when the hot chick from his childhood mm-hmm. is interested in him. Mm-hmm. And is he willing to give up the love of his life for this experience with the hot chick, man, that is, man, for all these guys that spend all this time fantasizing over what they don't have mm. rather than just bathing in what God has given you, man. And it's just, it's just such a, such a great experience, not experience. I don't want to get sexual. It's such a great point in the movie <laughs> when, with what he chooses, but man, just enjoy, you know, the, the, the love of your life. And, um, you know, if you're married, you know, that this could be the last time you make love. This could be the last time you, you, you go for a walk. This could be the last time you mm-hmm. sit in church together. And so take advantage of that and really, really use that. And so relationships are important and, and get in a small group where people actually want to follow Jesus. Um, and, you know, I've been in great groups and I've been in groups that mm-hmm. suck. So, <laughs> Yeah. And people always ask me to say that, was it my group? I'm never going to tell you to your face. <laughs> yeah. I, I love what you said about efficiencies too. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things as I've been thinking about the topic of busyness for the next series, The Cure for Loneliness, it's, it's really about what we value and we've lost the value of relationship. And that's what I think the word of God has a lot to say mm-hmm. is to, re- to remind us of that. I mean, just, it, it took some time. So my parents came down, my dad is is 72 years old. They came down to, to watch me preach and um, he's, he has AFib and his heart rate has been spiking up above like 200 rates per mm. beats per minute. And yeah, not good. They, mm-hmm. they try and shock it and it didn't work. And so like, you know, uh, I'm realizing and, and they haven't been able to visit as much. They're from the Central Valley, about six hours north of, of here. And so it's been a while since we've been able to see them. And so they were leaving on Monday morning and it took this whole conversation with my boys to say, Hey, look, I went through the whole spiel. I said, look, I don't, this could be the last conversation with Papa. And I'm not trying to make this weird or make this sad. He could have another five years, but he could have another five months. And, uh, and so what I had to do was prep them in this pre-conversation. I had to have, take their phones away. Right. And we literally sat down at the table and I, and I said, I whispered this into my dad's ear. I said, hey, if there's one thing you want your grandsons to know before you go, I'm going to ask you that question. I just want you to share it. And, uh, and so it, it, was, it was just it was a beautiful moment Man. of about a half an hour of me and my, my, my wife and, and four boys and my mom and dad. And, uh, and what I love that he shared was uh, he said, do you, he looked at me, he's the voice, he said, do you know the gospel? And he said, I want you to write down this reference. He gave him a piece of sheet of paper, first Corinthians 15. That's the clearest statement of the gospel. You Mm -hmm. know, for what I received, I passed on. Now, if you, if anybody ever asks you and you, and you can tell them the Mm -hmm. assurance of why you're saved, you know, the gospel and here's the definition, right? From God's word. And it was just like, that's cool. I hope that sits with my kids forever. Right. Like, but what it took was a lot of work to like set all that up. And even for me to slow it down and have a half an hour, you know, to to hear from, from him. So yeah. You know, um, I, uh, was right with somebody about a month ago in our church as they were dying. Mm. And, um, I had to meet his sons at the, um, in the hospital. I didn't have to, I got to, Mm. and, I met him in the hallway and I said, listen, this is your last conversation with your dad. Whatever you need to say, it Mm -hmm. needs to be said right here, right now, no matter how awkward, 
no matter what it is, because especially for men, it's really mm -hmm. hard for us to express mm -hmm. what we're feeling. I said, you got to say it right now. Mm -hmm. And then I, I whispered into Mike's ear, you know, because he's has an auction mask. I said, Mike, you got, whatever you got to say, you got to say to your sons, mm -hmm. you got to say to your wife right now, because we're going to put you on a morphine drip. And as mm -hmm. soon as we do that, you're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're, he's out of it. And um, it was so cool to see the boys later. I say boys, they're 21 and 16. Um, they're giants, like way taller than me. Um, and I said, did you say what you needed to say? And they said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so they got to say those words. I said, you'll see them again in heaven if you guys follow Christ. But th those last moments are so important. And it's mm -hmm. just so important to, and like a situation with my dad, my dad's dad's alive, but my dad's gone. Mm -hmm. My dad's dad is gone. Mm -hmm. You know, he has dementia. He doesn't know mm -hmm. who he is. He gets angry. He has to live apart from my grandma because in an anger, he pushed her down and broke her back. She's 92. So mm. um, that's really, really hard. He's physically here, right. but he's mentally gone. And so, um, you know, <laughs> hearing my dad say, you know, I wish I, I, there's so many conversations left and you'd think, well, you're 70 and he's 90. You, 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 you didn't have, nope, they didn't have him. So. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's the question we need to be asking ourselves, especially as we are, as a church going into this next series, like, Am I, am I present, but not pre like my, I'm physically right. here. Yeah. And, and I, I've even been challenged by this. Um, I asked my wife recently, I said, do you think I'm a workaholic? Hmm. <laughs> I never, I, like, I would never like label myself that, but like, mm -hmm. man, do it. And I know, I know full well, like healthy boundaries and, and Sandals culture is a staff with leadership. I mean, with ministry, you know, our first ministry is our family. And I know I have all the room to do that, but man, do I? Do I actually, do it, do it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so, you know, just this notion that I've always had this fear of being distant and not being emotionally yeah. present for my boys. And I'm, I'm well aware of that whole dynamic, but man, am I, yeah. am I on track? Yeah. You know, am, yeah. I, am I checked out when I'm at home? Well, I think the addictiveness yeah. of ministry is, uh, you know, when I walk into Sandals Church, people's lives have been changed. God has mm -hmm. used me to uh, heal marriages, uh, bring people to Christ. You know, I'm I'm thousands of people's spiritual father, and they appreciate me and love me. And and we never see each other. So when we do, it's great. Mm -hmm. When I come home, the dishes aren't done. I left my underwear on the ground. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't made the bed in the week, and right. my kids are super irritated because I use them again in a sermon illustration. And so the real world is really really hard, and it's hard to engage. And and again, the phone right is an easy escape. Mm -hmm to the actual work of relationship. And uh, so I'm looking forward to this series and excited about that. And then in the fall, yeah. we have our series called Relational Remix, where we're gonna unpack the Enneagram again and specifically look at how we can use, how God can use the Enneagram to help us remix our relationships. Because so many of us, we're, we live in this constant state of tension where if left to our own devices, you know, we will, we will not heal uh, I was talking to a lady at the gym today. Um, I told you about that goes to your church. And she just says, I keep listening to your sermon on the one. She's mm -hmm. a one. Mm -hmm. And as I engage with my husband, who's a nine, she said, I have to catch myself, right? Because what the one will do is it attacks the nine and the nine runs away. Because the nine will choose the peaceful path, even if that's ultimately divorce over the one's need for legalism and their sense of self-righteousness. So even when you're right, you have to be careful and... Um, it just creates, it creates an unhealthy dynamic when you have somebody calling a foul and the other one's like, I don't even want to play. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens with a one and a nine. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was sharing with you guys, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm posting um, uh, my trip to Ireland the week later because my wife's is six and I want to honor her. And she feels a f more, more aware of, of, of her fear when I'm out of the country, or out of town. Mm -hmm. And so I don't understand it. I don't even know that I agree with it, but I love her. 
Right. And I want to support her. Um, and right, if she could flip a switch and not be afraid, she would. Mm-hmm. Just like if I could flip a switch and not care about success, I would. But I, I've I've got this you know relational, social, spiritual cancer in my life. That God's <laughs> so so I have and and so this series will help you. Uh, maybe not understand your spouse, but create some guidelines for, okay, this person is different from me. Because I hear that all the time. Why are you getting divorced? We're just so different. Well, you were when you got married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you were so, you know, horny, you didn't care. So and you probably shouldn't use that word. Sorry if kids are in the car. So <laughs> I'm excited though, because you also mentioned just the what, what the power of reconciliation can oh, do yeah. for mm-hmm. us, you know, and I know you're going to be talking about yeah. relating to different kinds of people. And so I think it's going to be a powerful nine weeks for our church to consider you know, what reconciliation looks like as we try to understand ourselves and our types and the yeah. way God has designed us. So this is going to yeah. be great. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm excited. We're taking a little break from the debrief until we jump into that series this fall. And we've got some really cool stuff planned for that. We've got some guests that are going to be coming on the show. Mm-hmm. You're going to be doing some special content. So we're really excited for that. Yes. So. Special content. Special, special content. content. Yeah. That's why. Hey, we're regular content. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, guys yeah. Are, you guys are special. Special content on <laughs> yeah. the way. I'm not guests. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got some really great questions that have come in over this week that I want to get to you guys. Uh, so the first one comes from Annie Moss. It's our of course. female anonymous. Annie Moss. Um, mm. and she wants to know, how do you deal with secular academics and scholars who tend to contradict what we believe about the Bible? Says, so for example, secular academia generally holds that several books of the Bible were not written by the people that the text claims they were written by, including Second Peter. She mentioned in her question, she knows that sometimes they can get it wrong, but what do you do when the scholarly, scholarly consensus is against what the Bible says? Right. Well, so, I mean, all of us have gone to school. So you just have to understand that um, academia is not um, neutral. So you just have to start there, right? So so if an academic begins with this, that the Bible is the word of God, that is going to affect how they interpret it. So what they do is they begin with the idea that it's not the word of God. And so they look for any uh, area where they can attack it and rip it apart and they get other people to agree with them. But the reality is there's been no other book uh, the book of the, the 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 Quran has not been examined anywhere close to the scrutiny that the, the Christian Bible has, and, and part of that is because we have a verse that says, "Love your enemies as yourself," and so that that makes it helpful for our enemies to critique us um, versus other faiths that don't have that same kind of moral guideline. And just know that things like you know Second Peter, um, you know, people believe that it was written. Is it posthumously? Is that the word? Posthumously. Humus, I think that's the word. Sorry, yeah, it's been a post, long time. Post-human. So, so what they're saying is somebody wrote it in Peter's name after his death, and so they used his name in order for it to be uh, more well received or whatever that. But we don't see any of these critiques till what the 19th century. When do I mean we're talking about like 150, 180 years ago is the first time where people say, yeah. "Hey, this is not Peter." So here's the problem: is the earliest eyewitnesses attributed to Peter, and Second Peter certainly is one of the more questionable. Uh, books and it's simply because it's a different writing style. Yeah. Uh, so what that means is the Greek is different, the vocabulary is different. It doesn't seem to be like other places where Peter talks. Um, and so we can talk about about why that is. But a lot of them, when they say, you know, when Paul says in Galatians, "I write this with my own hand," that would have been uh, not normal because what he would have had is somebody a scribe. A scribe somebody who's professionally trained to write these things. A lot of authors do this, you know, nowadays they have an someone, a writer who comes along. And so like, I would, I'm not a great writer. So I would hire a writer to help me process and, and, and bring out my ideas. And in those days, I mean, I mean, think about how expensive paper was, ink was, I mean, this was a well-paid position and, and something that was super esteemed in their society because you were transcribing laws, 
letters, communications. Uh, this was a super important role. And so if Peter switched writers, then it, it might come across different. Um, that That's just one explanation. And that's the explanation that I was taught. But, um, you know, a lot of people attack Paul's letters in specific. And so just so you know, Galatians is not one of those books. Right. There's nobody that um, mm-hmm. doesn't attribute it to Paul. And so um, I, I would just say that the Bible is literally, so there's a guy by the name of Bruce Metzger. He was a New Testament scholar, I believe, at the University of Pepperdine. And he did literally a text-for-text critique and actually put it into a database. And he found that when you look at all the manuscripts, you know, what did we say? There was 5,860 different manuscripts when you put them all together. They were 98.7% identical. And so there are some changes, there are some difficulties. None of those are theological with the exception of some Trinitarian passages that were maybe softened. But a lot of the changes that we find, it's where scholars are trying to make a text that's ambiguous or maybe creates problems or trying to smooth it out. And so that's where we find some of the the um, the difficulties, so to speak. But I have every confidence in the word of God. And I don't know about you guys, how you feel, what you want to say. Yeah, yeah just two things real fast. I, I would kind of challenge the notion that the general consensus is yeah. that authorship is a, is kind of problematic and in the dark, because that's just not the case. You know, you mentioned Bruce Metzger, also F.F. Bruce. Yeah, uh, You could read things from N.T. Wright, um, Richard Bauckham, or, or also really good uh, scholars who deal with the history and authorship, and can we ultimately trust what the New Testament is saying? And so I would push against the kind of the consensus idea but also, you kind of mentioned this too. In late modernity, there was this massive sweep in uh, scholastic work that just began to undermine: Can we actually trust what the text says, and, and do we know what it actually means? Right. right. And so, uh, a lot of work in textual criticism was done, and and a lot of times, what you find is it's not so much the author; it's what the author is saying. Right. right? So, like, well, that probably isn't the author. Well, you say, well, why? Well, because they wrote this and this and this, and what it kind of, kind of comes down to is like supernatural issues, right? They just don't believe in the miraculous. They think things would never make sense culturally. Why would people say this? You know, how would that even play itself out? And right. so what you do find is often it's their bias, right? Yeah. There's a there's a bias. There's a lens in which we kind of put on like glasses and then we come to the text and we have to be aware that we're all doing that, you know, just because they have PhD next to their name or they have a nice job at a university mm. doesn't make them the defining authority on these things. Yeah. And so I, I think the rise of modernity really is, is the rise of science. And, and so human begin, human beings begin to understand the world around us, which for millennia had been mysterious. Mm-hmm. And so, so now we begin to understand, uh, bacteria, Darwin comes out with, you know, his whole theory. And so what instantly is kind of thrown out the baby with the bathwater is anything that's mysterious or not explained or can't scientifically be proven. And so Jesus rises from the dead, that's out. Miracles, that's out. And so there's this attack on anything that's mysterious. But then what they do is they expect us to believe just nonsense. So like when I was in school, we were taught the Big Bang Theory. So the Big Bang Theory asks you to believe two things by faith. Number one, that matter is eternal. And number two, that it, that it can organize itself into understandable material. So if you think of all matter, um, like none of us would, like if I held up this book, you guys that are watching online, I mean, it's a Bible, it contains information. So now what we know is every single piece of material in the universe contains billions of pieces of information. No one in a university would say, would believe, I found this book on the beach and it evolved itself into this cover, this materials, and it contains this information. And yet cells are far more complex 
than any book that's ever been written. And so the, the, that's the problem is, is they, 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 they tear down our faith, but then they ask us to believe these things by faith that are just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so that's the thing I would say is, look, I, I would, I would just accept or own the fact that I believe God created the, the heavens and the earth. I believe that by faith. I can't prove it. I believe that by faith, but, but at school, they want you to believe in something else. At least admit that you're coming at it from the same perspective that I am, and they're not. And I think that it's intellectual dishonesty. And if they yeah. took the same, the same approach to um, Aristotle, to Plato, um, you know, a lot of these ideas that uh, Cortez, you know, these socialism ideas, these are things that have been around since Plato's Republic two thousand years ago. If we applied the same criticism to those political ideas that we do to the scriptures, you know. I, I think the world would be a better place. But, you know, Plato has some bizarre ideas like no moms and dads. We all just have sex and we raise everybody's kids like they're our own. I'm like, I don't like, no, you, 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 wanna, nope. you just want to offer your children up to society? I mean, those were his ideas, right? We have the military, we have the philosophers and we have the rulers. I mean, it's just bizarre. It's categorizing people and, and placing you. Anyways, I'm getting off on a political discussion. <laughs> the Bible is reliable. And I think what Fredo said is so important. It's not the consensus. It's what you're being told. At most universities, if you believe the word of God is the word of God, you're going to have a hard time getting a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's just the reality. Yeah. So, uh, Don't know if I could add anything other than just you qualify the question with secular academics. That already has you on a certain bent. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, scholarly consensus is almost a contradiction in terms, in, right. in reality. <laughs> like sure. which which scholarly consensus, even, even within secular academia, you're going to get uh, like maybe not quite as many opinions as there are people but like yeah, yeah that's kind of how it how it works even just pragmatically to make your way in academia the whole idea is to contribute something novel and so you're going to you're going to try and come up with right. something that other people aren't saying even mm-hmm. if it's not contradictory and mm-hmm. so um well, know, wouldn't you say that the whole western well maybe not western american idea of a phd mm-hmm. is that you find something novel and new y- yeah and so you want to so, contribute something to the field yeah so we've we've put ourselves on a on a course for disagreeing with what's already been said. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem, right? If you simply agree with what's been said, you don't get a PhD and you've provided no new work. Yeah. And so that's really, that's academically dishonest mm-hmm. because you have to invent things and new ideas and then someone has to critique yours and then they critique, it's just, it's, and that's why we have libraries full of books that no one reads. Yeah. And I mean, that's why actually science has been so powerful as a force is actually because in its purest form, the way it's so supposed to operate is you have to submit it to a free open space of ideas for peer review. And if you're saying something crazy, you're, it, yeah. you're not going to get published yeah. or Too whatever, you know? Um, so I would, the, the, the one thing I would ask Annie Moss is, uh, is just to me, when I, when I hear questions like this on, on the surface, it's a, it's an important and real question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're willing to respond to those questions at that faith value level. Um, you know, f- for instance, just this notion, some, some, there's a spectrum even within Christians about how to approach the Bible. Some people are uh, really hardcore inerrantists, which means there's zero errors of any kind anywhere in the Bible. Right. And then thinking people might be like, well, there's some a couple famous examples. Two battles, it's the same battle in one passage. It's, you know, I'm, I don't know the exact numbers, but it says 700 people died. In the other passage, it says 7,000. Right. A zero is missing. Well, okay, maybe it's not that extreme form, but the the notion that God's word is is foul is is infallible, it's reliable, it's authoritative, it's it's a, 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 the the source for um, living 
a, a Christian yeah. life. The the one thing I, I'm always cautious with, and, and you said this one recently, uh, you know, it's it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures, right? Yeah. Is that even Jesus said for those who do study the Bible and study it well, s- secular or Christian, in John five he says, "You study the Scriptures because you think that in them you'll find eternal life." Right. But the, it's the Scriptures that are pointing to me. So right. that's again the written record of of the revelation of God, which the revelation of God is Jesus Christ, the yeah. person. Yeah. And so when we're, when we're approaching the Bible, um, I, I think that that's ultimately the question is how is this, how is this causing me to, to understand and then appropriate in my own faith journey, the work and person of Jesus Christ. And so c- kind of coming back to the question is like, m- the more curious question for me is what's driving the question. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. When I when I hear a theological, a really good one like this, I'm like, what is what is beneath this? What's yeah. this a window to? And so that would be yeah. And so here, yeah. And so here's what I would say to Annie Moss from Galatians: is Have you had an encounter with the Spirit of the Living God? Mm. And so if the Spirit of the Living God right. is inside you, it doesn't matter what consensus says. You've had an encounter with the Living God who's touched your soul and has awakened you to faith, mm. and that is real. Yeah, that is very very real. And so, right, so the argument in Galatians is really about the text. Do, do we circumcise ourselves or do we not? And he's saying, did, did that, did, did perfect reliance on the text, did that give you a relationship with God? It's not the text that gives us a relationship with God, it's the spirit of God mm. that gives us a relationship with God that cries out, Abba, Father. Mm. That is real. And it doesn't matter what scholars think or like, there's no scholar in the world that can prove my love for my wife. I am telling you it's real. I'm telling you, she touched my heart, she changed my life. It is very, very real. Um, and and I have that with God because the spirit of God has touched me. And if you don't have that, these things, like when I was my first class at CBU, the professor came out and said, Satan is not really wrote on the board. I, I was literally like, this guy's an idiot. He's an idiot. And why? Because Jesus said Satan's real. So I'm gonna go with Jesus over this guy with a PhD. Now that guy got yeah. fired the next year, but he wrote that on the board. And I watched everybody taking notes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> because it's it's stupid because I know, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I've experienced God in my life. I've experienced Jesus and I trust Jesus with everything. Paul says, I know in whom I have entrusted. Mm-hmm. I know him mm-hmm. and he is able, right? To, 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 to hold everything that I've given to him. And so God never lies. And if God says Satan is real, he's real. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, he hates us. And what does he do? He questions the word of God. Right? You want to do a study on that? Man, study the very first question in the Bible. Did God really say? Is that really God's word? And so just understand that Satan is at work, even in people who should be using God's word to save souls. They use it to... Yeah. I'd also want to encourage Annie Moss that uh, the Christian faith is not an anti-intellectual one. Yeah. There's there's yeah. some of our history in the 20th century in particular where evangelicals have been suspicious of using rational faculties <laughs> to, to understand the word of God. And that's not us at Sandals Church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're you not know, asking we're, you to check your brain at the door. That's right. right. And and we're the greatest commandment involves loving of God with our whole person, including our minds. And so I, I would just say kind of back to your point, Fredo, is... Um, as you're pursuing this, who you're going to for your source, for your sources, um, th- that's that's what's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or read a number of different varied sources, right. and and I would just say, if you haven't had an encounter with the Spirit of the Living God. Um, Try it. Try it out. Ask ask him to guide you and see where he leads you. Yeah. Um, in the process of pursuing it with your mind. So. Yeah. All right. So this next question is actually on uh, God, the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. Spirit of God. So 
Andy Moss writes in and says, the question, my question about the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 3, Paul talks about receiving the Spirit and says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He says, I come from a neo-charismatic background and your balls of fire story really resonated with me. He says, I'm, from, I'm also from a Hindu background and have tried to study theology and come to believe that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. But I'm not sure I understood what you spoke of when you said that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. I've always believed that they were present, but did people then pray to the Heavenly Father in Jesus' name, or would that even have made sense to them? Did people feel the Holy Spirit's presence when they prayed? Yeah. So where does it say what his background is? Oh, that's in the fuller version. The of the fuller question. version of the question. Yeah. You so read that version. question because it's real important. This it comes a, from a something a Pentecostal. Neo, a neo-charismatic background. Okay. So and he's a also lot of Pentecostal churches and neo-charismatic churches come from a theological background that is called Jesus only. And so what they believe is that they believe in one God and they would say, and his name is Jesus. And so they would reject the Trinitarian view um, of God. And so someone that comes from that background that's very, very famous, who's the big black guy in Texas? T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes comes out of that background. Uh, a lot of your large charismatic, especially African-American churches come from this Jesus-only church. T.D. Jakes has since rejected that and has moved towards a traditional uh, view of, of, of the scriptures. And so I would just say, that, um, you know, I, I've had people that have come from a Pentecostal Jesus-only background who've told me things like in the earliest manuscripts, Matthew 28, 18, and 20 omits the Holy Spirit and uh, the Father. That's not true. That's not, that's not true. There's no text that I'm aware of anywhere that omits anything, but Jesus said, you shall baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there were, for we, for centuries, uh, Christians were baptized three times, once in the name of the Father, once in the name of the Son, once in the Holy Spirit. And so there's all kinds of odd ways in which they did that. But just just know that um, your background is, is, you know, while maybe powerful and that's great, it's different from what Sandals is. Sandals is a Trinitarian church. So we believe in one God who exists in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're the same God, but they're different persons. So the Holy Spirit is different from Jesus. Jesus is different uh, from the Father. And so, um, you know, that's that's difficult to understand, but that's, that's how we understand it. So the Holy Spirit is a unique person of God who oversees the church, empowers the church, and gifts the church until Jesus Christ returns. And so really the Holy Spirit is what's guiding and directing us as a church and it's pointing us to believe in Jesus. So Jesus Christ is the person of person of God who 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 was born of a virgin, who lived on earth, who died on the cross and was raised by God the Father on the third day and has ascended and sits at the right hand of God right now. The Holy Spirit is is the person of God that lives in the hearts of believers and reigns in the church and is present during worship. And that's difficult to understand. And Fredo can comment on this because there are some instances where, we're, where we refer to Jesus as being present. We refer to Jesus as guiding us. We refer to putting on Christ. But as you mature as a Christian, understand that uh, while God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one God, they have they are three distinct persons and they have three distinct roles uh, in um, the salvation of mankind and the deliverance of people from sin. So I'll yeah. throw that hot potato to you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so there's that place uh, in John 13 where Jesus is instructing his disciples that he's going to leave, but the right. helper is going to come. Right. And then he says, if, if you obey me as you love me and obey me, the Father and I will come and make our home with you. Right. But he just said the Holy Spirit's coming, right? And so I think what he's trying to communicate there. Obviously, for Jesus, the Trinity isn't hard to understand. Right. But for us, it is. 
Um, but I think he's trying to communicate a, a part of the Holy Spirit is is to bring to us the presence of the Father and the Son. Right. Not so much the very spirit of Jesus right. is inside of us, but the very presence of who God is, is with us because of the work yeah. and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so when they ask about, you know, did they feel the Holy Spirit's presence in, in prayer in the Old Testament? I think it's very possible. Yeah, right. I mean, there's actual places where it talks about the Spirit falling, the Spirit being with certain individuals, whether it be a king, a priest, um, a yeah. ruler. And so it's, it's not... Um, I guess like unordinary, I guess, to, to think of the Holy Spirit being right. with people before we have the event in Pentecost. Yeah, so David prays in Psalm 51, do not take the yeah, Holy take Spirit, Spirit from me. me. So the assumption there is that he already had the Holy Spirit active and present in his life. And so there's a great uh, book by actually Mark Driscoll. He was a guest on the show and it's called The Spirit-Filled Jesus. And it's a fantastic mm. book. And a lot of times we don't think of Jesus as being filled with the Holy Spirit, but he mm. actually was and did all things by the power of the Spirit. Mm. Um, and so it's real interesting um, Andy Moss. So Jesus, this is in John, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 22. Jesus said, uh, after saying this, he breathed on them. So so it's coming out of him. So he breathed on them and he said, receive thy Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So even in that moment, right, we would think, well, he's giving us his spirit, but what he's saying is receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and so it's just it's just understanding in John's gospel that that after we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we, we receive the Spirit of God inside of us through faith, but we also need to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to carry out the mission of Christ. And so um, so just just be aware of that. That uh, and this is one of the primary reasons Muslims have such a hard time with the Christian God is because they they see us as worshiping three gods. We worship one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's difficult. It's taken the church, I don't know how many councils to figure it out, hash it out, argue it over it, kill each other, throw people in jail. But the reality is we believe in one God. And, and this is why it's important. The Father, God our Father who is in heaven, he didn't die on the cross. The Son did. And that's very, very mm -hmm. explicit. Uh, the Son does not fall on the disciples in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God does. Mm -hmm. And so as you begin to look in the Bible, you see the Father doing things, you see the Son doing things, you see the Spirit doing things, but they all the, the whole Bible affirms one God. Mm -hmm. And so that's where this idea, so tri-unity or trinity, we see three persons acting in perfect unity and yeah. are the same God. So we're never told there are three gods in scripture. That, that We're never told that there's always one God. Yeah. And, and he has a son whose name is Jesus Christ and we believe in him. And when we do that, he empowers us and fills us with his spirit. And the spirit is the promise of that. So I, I get that that's difficult. So just understand that um, what you grew up in, I would consider a variant of traditional Christian belief. Yeah. And um, I would encourage you to just really, really study that, maybe read up on T.D. Jakes, how he came out of that moment movement. And I don't know that I've, I you know, because I'm reading it, uh, an email, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm making some guesses here. So I'm guessing that's where you've come from. Um, and that would probably help you. I mean, just so you don't feel like, you know, God may have had you in that movement because he called you out of Hinduism. And so that may have been an easy way for you to start in your journey, just simply mm. believing in one, because Hinduism, right, is multiple gods, multiple deities. And the difficulty for Hindus is not accepting Jesus, but right, one arriving Jesus. and parking at yeah. monotheism. So yeah. Yeah. I would want to speak to the question specifically about the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You know, as as the Hebrew faith grew, um, I mean, what, what we see in the Old Testament is that the name of God wasn't, it was unspeakable. Right. We were actually, there's even some, some under, like various opinions about what the Yahweh 
what we would pronounce Yahweh, what that actually means. You know, it's translated, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. But really elsewhere, we don't see the to be verb in Hebrew. And so it's an archaic form of something that was that was not even spoken. In fact, if, if you read Jewish scholars, when they write uh, something, they'll, they'll do G in English, G dash God. And so the name of God and, and even his fatherhood was, was something that was uh, really more of a New Testament concept. Um, the name of Jesus, you, you ask, were they praying to the heavenly father in Jesus name? I assume that that's, you're asking if they're doing that in the old Testament. Um, Jesus was a historical figure, right. you know, as pastor Matt said. And so G- the Jesus, the name of Jesus is actually a Latinized version of Yeshua. And so what happened is, is that in the new Testament, as we, as we gained the full and final revelation, what we believe is the full and final revelation of who God is. Um, we now look back on the Old Testament, and even the scriptures do this uh, do this a decent amount, and we began to see so, some some prophetic or or like sort of literary you know foreshadowing to po- pointing to who Jesus was, right. including Yeshua, the one who led the people of Israel into the Promised Land. These types that began to point to Jesus, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know c- certain things like uh, is it Jacob's ladder, right? The right. Hebrew specifically says the connection between earth and heaven that is Jesus, right? And it's talking about a dream that that, that you know this this metaphor in a dream. And so a, a lot of people kind of struggle with that because they, they say, are you interpreting sort of retrospectively what something didn't mean historically then? And the, the short answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And clearly there was some confusion on the Jewish part as to who the Messiah was going to be because they, they, they weren't unified on that and they didn't agree. Yeah. Some, some people said, nope, this is, this is who it is. And some people were like, no, this is not. And we got to kill him. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be praying for you, Andy Moss. Alrighty. So our next question comes from Ryan and he wants to know how much do we let the spirit of God work versus striving after what we believe is a God-given dream. I'm trying to become a professional athlete and I'm constantly have the get after it mentality, but I'm struggle, struggling to let God work more. I'm reminded of Psalm 44, three, where it says their own arm didn't save them, but it was the light of your countenance, your arm and your hand that saved them, but they still had to fight. What's the mentality needed for something like this? Yeah, I think you've you've arrived on it perfectly. I mean, yeah. right? We don't sit passively back. I'm gonna. God's called me to be a professional athlete, and I'm gonna do nothing. I mean, God's going to bless, right? Your self discipline, your self control. Uh, hopefully, God's given you some physical gifts, uh, because <laughs> if not, you know that that's going to be a challenge. Um, and we have to be careful, you know, because Psalms forty four three. You know, these are special verses talking about this tiny, ridiculously small people, you know, in the worst, I mean, Israel is in the worst place in the possible world. I mean, it, it, it falls right in between Europe, Asia, and Africa, and all the superpowers constantly converge on this one spot. And we got a group of hillbillies who manage sheep, right? <laughs> and I mean, I mean, literally, when, when you look at like, uh, a lot of people don't read this, but when you read the David and Goliath story, most people don't pay attention to the fact that he had an iron spear. So not only are we following it, fighting a giant, he's in the Iron Age, mm. and the Jews are stuck in the Bronze Age. Mm. Like, I mean, it's it's like, you know, in World War II, Hitler invaded Poland, and the Polish army, did you know this? They attacked the tanks of Hitler on horseback. It's, mm. <laughs> what, yeah. what do you think happened? I mean, so 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 the, the, the best army that the world could provide 100 years earlier, mm. you know, which was cavalry, right, which was undefeatable for a thousand years 
they horses cannot go up against tanks. It doesn't happen. And so that's so so the people of God, they're they're in the Bronze Age fighting people in the Iron Age. There are tiny little people who manage sheep. For most of their history, they're not even allowed to fight, make weapons. I mean, constantly, man, they're, they need God. There's no explanation for Israel other than God. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be careful for that, uh, that we don't uh, align ourselves and say, okay, I'm Israel and God's, God's blessed me in this way. Now, having said that, God loves you, God cares for you, and God has a plan for your life. Whether or not it's to be a professional athlete, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So you just got to be careful because um, that can be your desire, but God could have his plan for your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would encourage you, you know, as long as you, you're not worshiping, your physical nature is not, you know, as long as, you know, athletics is not your God, because God's, God's plan for your life is not to have an idol. Mm. So, um, so as long as athletics and professional sports is not an idol, God may have, you know, called you to that or gifted you to that. But ultimately, the purpose of that is to bring glory to him. And so like I was at yeah. a Dodger game and uh, who's the pitcher for the Dodgers? Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. And so... Like the first slide is, hey guys, we want to invite you next month to the LGBTQ night. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not for me. And then it's Clayton Kershaw. And this is actually, I wish I wish everyone would be like the Dodgers because we, we don't pick and choose sides, right? Hey, the LGBTQ is going to speak on Thursday. And on Friday night, it's Christian night and Clayton Kershaw is going to share his testimony. I couldn't believe hmm. the Dodgers mm-hmm. are going to allow him to do that. And I thought, wow. That's so cool. And he's literally just said, Hey guys, I want to invite you out on Friday night. I'm going to tell you what Jesus has done in me and my wife's life. So I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, it's going to be great. You know, Nordstrom's has, you know, uh, not gay month. What is it? Pride Um, month. Gay pride month. It'd be great if they had, let's check out this Jesus month, you know, special Jesus sale, you know. Special Jesus yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus shale. Yeah. Hopefully Jesus. you spoke in tongues. Yeah. 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 Sound like you cuss. But uh, so so just just be careful because, um, you know that can be that can really really be difficult, especially in a, mm-hmm. a young man's life to assume, you know, because every every young boy or, or or gal that's in sports thinks that one day at a period of time they're going to do this, and the reality is most of us don't make it. So just be careful that you that your faith is in God. I would say put your faith in God and your hope in your right. training. And, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Go ahead. Yeah. What do you guys want to say? Yeah, I was in, in Psalm 44, you know, Israel's recounting the work of God through these battles. And they say in verse eight, so that we might boast in you yeah. all the day long, right? So they're trying to give credit to where credit is ultimately due in the same way that you can in your life. And and this is something all, all through scripture you see, Paul in 1 Corinthians 1510, I think. Yeah. I am what I am by the grace of God. Mm. Um, but then he goes on to say, but I worked harder than all the other apostles, right? Yeah. So like, he's very much um, admitting to, he he's put in work yeah, mm-hmm. and it's confidence in his work because it, it's confidence ultimately in God and what God is doing in you. And yeah. so the fact that God will do things through you should actually spur you on to do yeah. things and be active. And, and, yeah. not and what I would say, Ryan, is Sandals Church is a great example of that. I mean, as I look back on Sandals, you know, um, how many campuses do we have? Nine. Nine. Nine campuses, you know, are averaging over 10,000 attendants on the summer. You know, it's just it's just crazy. We started with my wife, uh, a couple of friends, and our one-year-old daughter. And you look back, you say it was all God. Yeah, and it was. But it was also a lot of hard work. It was mm-hmm. a lot of tears. It was a lot of sacrifice. By the grace of God, I didn't make stupid decisions. I didn't have an affair. I didn't, you know, get on the news for, you know. I mean, God God was with me through the whole process, but he blessed hard work, effort, self-discipline, and faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some guys that just, they honestly believe it's all God. And, 
you know, you got to look at Paul's life. People want to talk about Paul's theology. Look at his life. The guy worked every mm. day and uh, every day of his life. Um, Galatians 2.20, you know, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm. And this life I live in the body, I live for Jesus. And and that's what I would say, Ryan, if, you know, whatever you do, whether it's a professional athlete or working in sports or coaching or teaching or whatever it is, I'm guessing probably his life's going to have something to do with sports when you're that passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Let it be an opportunity for you to boast in what God has done and point attention and glory to Jesus. I mean, look at Clayton Kershaw. I, I just was so moved by that. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, is he has a life of integrity up to this point. Yeah. And he's legit. He's socially active. You know, he's he's not on Twitter saying stupid things. You know, I mean, he's he just loves Jesus and he tries to tries to be the very best that he can be. And he's beloved by a city that for the most part has rejected Christ, but they love him and he has an opportunity. And I think that that's beautiful. Be the best person that you can be and be a, be a picture of Christ on earth so people will listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the next one? All right. So we got it's two, getting hot in here. I know. It's, we're Sorry, guys. It's we've got two questions left. Stay, stay with <laughs> me. And if you see us sweating, we got new cameras. Yeah. Well, if you're not, if you're listening, you can't see how beautiful Alfredo is today. Yeah. But, but you could check us out on YouTube. Yeah. Check out, check out, check out Adam's pale Irish skin. <laughs> my red. Yeah. Yes. Check out my red. mom eye circles here. Yes. <laughs> Those cameras are sharp. Uh, all right. So Daniel wrote in and asked, if God had already planned everything, i.e. everything is in God's control, then why do we say that we have a choice when everything has already been decided? Mm. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a setup question. I think our choices matter. Um, yeah. I think that we have a role to play and really what you're wrestling with Daniel is fatalism. Right, it's 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 all God. I can do whatever I want. Um, you know, I don't know. If, would you call that hyper Calvinism? Yeah, a, a form of it because it, it it's taking this kind of either or approach. Yeah. Either God's all in control, or you know, my decisions matter. But Scripture's got a both and. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Proverbs sixteen nine: A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. I mean, there's countless examples in which God executes what He wants to do through human decisions, yeah. real human decisions mm-hmm. um, that are either wise ones or foolish ones. Yeah, I it, think, com- oh. it comes out in the equation, right? Because he asked the question, if God had already planned everything, that is, everything is under his control. I would actually say those are two different ideas, mm-hmm. right? God, mm-hmm. God can be sovereign, have things within his control, and uh, not any, allow anything to happen that he doesn't want to or whatever, right? Mm. And yet at the same time, it doesn't mean he's that everything's you know, planned, from, out yeah, and, yeah, yeah. planned out or, or whatever. Yeah. Those are two different ideas. And it yeah. seems like he's equating and I mean, them. Daniel, what I would encourage you to do is just do, do a Bible study and, and circle these two words everywhere in your Bible, the word obey and the word blessed. And you're going to find those two words together. I mean, so God, God blesses those who are obedient. Mm. I mean, read it in, in the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter six, read it. God is saying, look, I'm in control. I'm going to do this. But if you are obedient and you choose to follow me, I'm going to choose to bless you. Mm-hmm. So God's sovereignty is in what he's saying is I'm blessing those who have chosen to be obedient to me. And, and what I would just say, and, and again, we're trying to answer questions that, um, you know, we, we can't answer. And and mm-hmm. Paul says one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to go, oh, wow, I was wrong here. I was wrong there. Uh, Fredo and Adam were wrong a bunch of places. You know, I mean, that's what Judgment Day is going to be like, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's, Pastor Matt was never Yeah, wrong. they're going to be like, yeah. man, we should listen to Pastor Matt all the time. So so just, you know, um, and here's, here's the key thing, Daniel, that I would really encourage you. And especially, you know, Pastor Mark was on the show a couple weeks ago when he started a firestorm when he said Calvinism is garbage. And I didn't catch it. I just didn't. I was, so I actually have a lot of respect for you because when you're asking questions, you're actually thinking about, oh my gosh, what's the next question? And that's Mm -hmm. what I was doing. I didn't know he said it, (laughs) but here's the issue, you know, between, you know, Calvinism, you know, and Arminianism and this battle is what I always come back to is, is are people responsible? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so regardless of, of how God's doing whatever he's doing, are, is Fredo responsible and is Adam responsible for how they choose to respond to the gospel? And the answer for both the Calvinists and the Arminius is yes. Yeah. You are responsible. So let's let's let God be in charge of what God's in charge of. And let me ask you again, are you ready to repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And if you are, you're saved. And if you're not, God's going to hold you responsible for the very real decision you had. Right. You have a real decision. And God will hold you responsible for that decision. And uh, so I just preach the gospel. And I let God be God. And I, my job, Matthew 28, is to, is to share the gospel and disciple people and try to lead as many people to Christ as possible. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just, there's just so much tension there, you know? So uh, what's the big Calvinist verse in um, Acts is Acts 13, 14, and all those who were appointed to Christ came to that day. Yeah. And so, so that's the Calvinist passage. Then read chapters 14, 15, and 16. He goes to Berea, Thessalonica, and another city, and it talks about they were persuaded. Mm. They were convinced. So, yeah. so the one passage is all everybody who was supposed to get saved got saved, and then the next two chapters, man, Paul's working his butt off to convince to convince these people to logically argue, and he's not just well, whoever's going to get saved is going to save. He's like he's he's preaching like it matters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, it, and and it's because it does. And so right there in in the book of Acts, you have both. Mm. In, yeah. in thirteen, God, man, and so at, you know from that perspective, that's why that's why we go to India. Because we know God has appointed some people to be saved. Exactly. And we go. And we also preach the gospel to our neighbors and to our friends because we have been given this awesome opportunity to share Christ and watch people be saved. And so... Yeah. If were, anything, it should dead. give you hope and yes. confidence, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. he is doing something. A great place, too, is in Acts. Paul's uh, on the boat on the way, I think, to Rome after he's been arrested. And they hit a storm. And Paul says, listen, the Spirit of God told me, oh, God yeah. told me. No one's going to die. If. We're all okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Two verses later, if you get off this yeah. boat, yeah. you're going to perish. Yeah. Well, what is it, Paul? You just yeah. said God said we're all fine, right? I and love so that passage. There's a sense of God has ensured something through you being obedient to it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so you see both God's sovereignty, decision-making, and the importance of your follow-through. Right. Uh, oh, oh. Married, you know, in those things. So. Yeah. Along with a number of, I mean, a lot of Old Testament conditional blessings. Yes. If... Yeah you humble yourselves and pray and seek my face, then I will turn from, you know, then I'll turn and heal your land and, and forgive your sins. Uh, you know, just even uh, the, the sort of both end of God's word and his plan are irrevocable. Like what yeah. he says goes, and yet Nineveh repents. And yeah. and what he was planning, he doesn't end up doing, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a, I think we're very much a both and church at Sandals. Yeah. Like yeah. We see both in the scripture and we, how, how that all gets resolved isn't, isn't a both and isn't a, an intellectually lazy answer. Right. It's actually the the appropriation of what's there in the yeah. text because it's making room for the mystery. Right, this yeah. kind of approach is difficult, but consider the opposite. Right, if it's all on you, you wouldn't get you won't. No, how are you gonna oh. get out of bed? You know, that's <laughs> you're gonna be devastated and crushed by the weight of your decisions, realizing that your entire future is solely based on right. you. Like, oh, that's, don't even say you that. You can't live like that. Right, oh. but that's back to the future, Scary, right? right? Where yeah. Doc says the future is yours. Make it a good one. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. You know, it sounds liberating, but ultimately it's Mm. like, man, Mm -hmm. to think that my life is a sum total of my decisions only is troubling. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to know that God is at work. God's doing things. Yes. It's it's also points to something we've talked about before too, which is a false view of freedom. Yeah. Right. Like that freedom is having just all the free choices in the world. And you've used, you know, the Cheesecake Factory menu versus Mm -hmm. the In-N-Out, right? Where, Where it's just like, oh my gosh, like all these choices 
can actually be enslaving and, oh, and debilitating, yeah. paralyzing, um, where, where freedom is, is not about, you know, a bunch of live options that, yeah. you know. Daniel, welcome. Welcome to uh, the Bible. It's difficult. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> thousands of years of debate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we've got our last question here from Christine. Christine says, I have two friends, Bobby and Jan, who both have the same problem with the idea that people who are kind, loving, and try to do good, but don't accept Jesus will be damned and go to hell. Bobby says she just can't believe that Jesus is the only way since there are many good people who don't believe. To her and also to Jan, it doesn't seem just or truly good that they perish. It's a difficult issue for anyone, especially believers who never want to have their loved ones perish due to the rejection of the Messiah. How should I respond to this roadblock? Yeah. So, you know, when Jesus talks about damned and going to hell, it's really important that you look at who he's talking to. He he never uses that language when he talks to lost people. He uses that language to self-righteous religious people. So what I would say is, here's what the gospel says, is that those who do not accept Jesus will be eternally separated from God. So I, what I would, I would push away from damned and go to hell, and I would talk about it being eternally separated from God. So if in Jesus is the only way to have eternal life. It's, it's the only way. The Bible says in, in God, there's life. You know, that's the only way to have life. Your friends, Jan, and what's the other ones? Bobby. So when they die, apart from Jesus Christ, they're dead. So you don't just have a problem with the gospel. You have a problem with life. Apart, apart from Jesus, they're dead. Jesus Christ is, is, is the only way that they can be resurrected to eternal life. And so, you know, is it is it wrong if I told your friends they both have uh, incurable cancer, but I got this Alfredo pill. Oh, wow. Right. Sorry. Adam. And if you take this pill, you're going to, you're going to live. Is that, I mean, you see what I'm saying? It, it's just, it just seems so odd to me that, you know, and I, th- wouldn't you guys also say that, you know, uh, I mean, it goes back to human nature that our own self-righteousness, that I'm good enough to mm-hmm. earn salvation on my own. Yeah. Cause the That's issue is that earlier. are you narrow-minded yeah. right? and thinking there's only one way to mm-hmm. get to heaven? It's, are you right? Right. right? Are you right or are you wrong on this issue? Because at the end of the day, we all have narrow-minded ideas, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The, the question really is, which narrow-minded beliefs actually create the most inclusion? Mm-hmm. And I think it's Christianity, because at the center of our faith, it says someone who you don't love and who you don't deserve to know loves you and died for you, right? And it's simply by his grace and mercy. And so how does that not make us inclusive people? Mm -hmm. Um, Even though it's an exclusive idea, you got to come through Christ, you know? And so, but even their understanding of what what does it mean to be kind? What does it mean to be loving? What does it mean to be good? Like who's Mm -hmm. determining those things, you know? And Mm -hmm. so you're you're trying to throw out these qualifications based on whose ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Goodness according to God, kindness according to God. Those are standards that we simply can't live up to. Mm -hmm. And so... um, yeah, good works are great until they keep you self-righteous and away from Jesus. You know? Yeah, and, that, so, and, and the, that's what the book of Galatians is all about. If I trim the tip off my penis, I'm better than you because you're uncircumcised, and so God's going to accept me and reject you, and and that's just that's just not it. We are all, I mean, and again, this is why, guys, we got to go back to like Romans. Romans 3.23, right? We The wages of sin is death. We are all sinners. We're all helplessly separated from God. I mean... Like when you truly look at he, he, your humanity, man, we're so vulnerable, we're so delicate, we're so in deep need of so many things. And to believe that, I mean, to believe that we can, and again, that's the modern gospel. We're, we're all kind of evolving and becoming spiritual and going on to the next phase, apart from whom? There's only one person that can take us from this phase of life to the next phase of life, which is eternal life. And that's the guy who's done both, mm-hmm. Jesus. He he came from heaven to here, he died and he rose from the dead and he's invited us to go with him. Mm-hmm. If I... 
if somebody if somebody says, "Hey, I, I, I've got a one way passage to Mars, and it's the only ship," and you guys are like, "Well, I think it's stupid." Hmm. Okay, yeah. you ain't going. Yeah, you you can't. I mean, as far as I know, no one can can get to Mars, right? Mm. I mean, it, it's it's just to me, it just is so arrogant uh, in assuming that I'm self righteous, and I'm sure your friends are, are good people. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, I would I would point them back to uh, just this this fundamental trust that God is just, mm-hmm. and so you know throughout history, Christians and, and non Christians like have struggled with these things of like, well, okay, if it's all dependent on the gospel and accepting Jesus, and there's the tribe in Africa and they don't ever yeah. hear, well, God is just. Maybe there's an opportunity after the fact. I don't know, right? Um, I mean, it, we've got these passages in, in First Peter that talk about Jesus giving those who had already died before him an opportunity, essentially preaches to the souls in prison. I mean, God is just, you know? Right. And so I would just say, um, you know, the justice of God also uh, would demand that there's, uh, you know, if somebody in, in your life was was murdered, Right, that that doesn't that that doesn't go unnoticed by God, mm-hmm. and that there's one of two ways that that right. is that, that His justice can be maintained, and it's either the justice of the cross, where He pours out Himself for the penalty for that sin, or it or it stays on, it's still on yeah. the person's hands. No, so. so let's talk about this issue though. So, um, you know, I have one son, you have a thousand, you have, have one, one. Uh, you have a girl, mm-hmm. but so you have one kid. So let's say you know I give up my son's life to save people and they reject that i'm going to be angry mm-hmm. and and that's one of the things i don't think that you know your understanding is god has given everything to redeem you save you woo you bring you back and, and, and in your arrogance you've said i don't need to be saved that way mm-hmm. and you're rejecting the offering of peace and we live in a world where there's no consequence and with god there is mm-hmm. you know god god is 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 slow to anger but he does get angry. Mm, yeah. And and God is going to judge those who have rejected his son, Jesus Christ. And, and that's just a reality. Um, and so regardless of what happens to the tribes in Africa, I just read about a tribe in uh, the Amazon jungle that they think is going extinct. So they, they've never engaged. They're still living like they have for thousands today, wow. thousands of years, wow. um, r- rather than worry about what's happening to them. And let me just say this, missionaries have died have died to share the gospel with them, have been killed by those Indians mm-hmm. uh, or natives, I guess you would say native South Americans in the jungle, died horrible deaths mm-hmm. to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, that means something too, right? And so I, I just think we need to be very, very careful. Um, what I would pray for for your friends is that the Holy Spirit convicts them of their own sin in their in their life. Because what they don't have is they have a sense of self-righteousness and they don't have a sense of, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Right. So regardless of what God's going to do with everybody else, I got news for you. You're not going to be held accountable for everybody else on Judgment Day. Just you. Just God. And without Jesus, you're in trouble. You're in real, real trouble because everything we've done is going to be exposed. And I got news for you. You think you know Jan? What's the other friend's name? Bobby. You don't know them. You know what they've showed you. That's what you know. You guys yeah. don't know me. You don't know what's in my, my darkness. You don't know what's in my closet. Right? God does. And he sees it. He sees He sees why I do the good things I do. And he's not impressed. Yeah. Because a lot of the good things I do, I just want Fredo to go, wow, one day I want to be just like you. 
And I'm like, no, don't st- say it again. Right? Even my righteousness is sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's just gross, you know? Um, and, and so that's one of the most offensive things that the Bible says is yeah. that even your good efforts mm-hmm. um, are motivated and driven by you wanting to either, you know, be more uh, proud mm-hmm. of yourself than you actually should be, or you're doing it out of fear because you don't yeah. want to look like people who are bad, you know? And mm-hmm. so um, that's why repentance from, from the Bible standpoint is not just a turning away from the bad things you've done, but turning away from the good things you've done motivated yeah. by bad reasons, yeah. you know? And so, yeah. That's good. I don't yeah. know if it'll be enough. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll pray for your friends, Christine. But again, let me challenge you to go back to your encounter with the risen Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. What, what will compel them is not what God is gonna do with everybody else, but what Jesus has done with you. It comes back yeah. to, right, the woman at the well, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. She didn't go, she didn't go to Samaria and say, you're all going to hell. She said, come meet this man. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one? And revival takes place in that city. And so, Christine, I would encourage you to fall on your face, repent of your sin and say, God, what am I doing that's not allowing my friends Jan and Bobby to see Christ in me? Mm. What what, what can I do? Um, You know, and again, here's the sad thing, Christine, some people will not choose. Mm. No matter matter what happens, they they will not choose Christ. And uh, we have to be okay with that. God is. Mm. So... Mm. That's tough, you know? All right. I am roasting. I know. The air is about to kick on, so it's okay. a great point to wrap up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you guys so much for sending in those questions. Like we said earlier, we're going to take a break from the debrief until we come back this fall with a relational remix. It's yes. Our Enneagram series. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. So stay tuned for some really great content. We might be sharing some other content on the channel between now and then, but we'll see you guys then. Yep. Love you guys. See ya. Bye.